welcome to today's Create the Courage to be Fearless podcast. And I want to thank you for joining me. My name is Anita Matu and I am a mindset coach and a mentor. Every Tuesday, I'll be releasing a new podcast episode, which will either be a conversation with a courageous guest, a solo episode with me, or a masterclass full of insightful nuggets and wisdom. Each episode is designed to inspire you and help you discover and connect with that place of courage within you. So whether you're a first-time listener or you are one of my regular subscribers, I want to thank you for taking the time to join me. Now let's get started with this week's episode. Reverse engineer this and go back to where the kids start developing dyslexia and see if we can stop it happening. And it just seems a no-brainer to me to encourage them to develop the simple skills that we, I've been teaching for 22 years in preschool. Every dyslexic you hear interviewed talks about their visual strengths. So we just scaffold into their literacy form. But that's how we're moving forward. Today's guest is my dear friend, Olive Hickmott, a forensic health and learning coach specializing in working with neurodivergent students. 22 years ago, Olive started empowering learning. Being dyslexic and ADHD herself, she discovered with the help of neuroscience how to simplify literacy, numeracy and concentration, developing the skills for herself and others. She is proud of her international network of trained practitioners. Welcome back, Olive. Last time we spoke about helping creative, imaginative people overcome dyslexia. But today we're going to speak about stopping dyslexia happening. Is it possible? Welcome, Olive. Thank you. And um, I have been doing this for so long. It's 22 years now. And I've worked with thousands of people, of children and adults, by teaching them how to use their visual skills to improve literacy. And I have a 100% record that every dyslexic I have ever met is not reliably visualizing words. And so it occurred to me about a few months ago now that why on earth was I going to carry on doing this for the rest of my life? And wouldn't it be so much more fulfilling to reverse engineer this and go, back to where the kids start developing dyslexia and see if we can stop it happening. Mm. And it just seems a no-brainer to me to encourage them to develop the simple skills that we, I've been teaching for 22 years in preschool before they get into phonics in primary or in reception in parallel with phonics. I don't mind which. I'm not trashing phonics. I'm saying we, they need to visualize words as well. And I'll give you an example of that, just so everybody understands it. If you can visualize the word cat, then you've got a clear mental image of, of the word cat. Then when you come along to phonics and you're doing cur, you've got something to hang it on to rather than just bits of words that don't particularly have a meaning. So that's where we are. We are doing some research now and we are 
trying to get this out to a number of preschools. And the other thing is prevention is so much better than repair um, and coping with the traumas mm -hmm. that people are, generate by struggling with dyslexia. Every dyslexic you hear interviewed talks about their visual strengths. Mm -hmm. So we just scaffold into their literacy for them. And non-dyslexics have developed this skill naturally and maybe out of their conscious awareness. They may not even realize they're doing it, but that's how we're moving forward. Interesting for sure. So, okay, Olive, what can you explain? What is scaffolding? Oh, I love the expression scaffolding. It's a term used in early years and it was, it's only relatively recently. And basically you take a skill that somebody's good at and you scaffold into something that is nearly the same, but slightly different. So mm -hmm. for a very small baby, it might be you get them to learn how to use a spoon, first of all, yeah. and then they can move on to learning to use a fork. But if you if they start with a fork where they've got to stab things, it might be much more difficult. So we scaffold it. And all these kids are really young children. And if anybody's got really young children on this, it, they, they know they're creative and imaginative geniuses. And so we are using their fabulous mental images that they've already got. And mm -hmm. we encourage them, first of all, to talk about them because nobody normally talks about mental images and it's mm -hmm. not mentioned at all in school. And so what we do is we get them to talk about their mental images until they're really confident. And it's fascinating talking to a child about their mental images. They have wonderful pictures in their head. Then we encourage them um, you, to visualize and recognize words through seeing objects with words written on them. So mm -hmm. you might have a picture on the wall of a cat and you've got a cat written across the middle of it. You might have a lion and it's got lion written on it. All these things enable a child to start absorbing words without the pressure of saying, What's that word say? So we're trying to get them to just start absorbing words naturally without any pressure. That's so, it sounds so simple. It is. It's ridiculously <laughs> simple. Dare I say, how can parents know if this would work for their child? And can I just add to that about it sounds so simple? I was talking to a 60-year-old um, primary teacher and she said, this is what we used to do before phonics came in. And the worst thing about phonics was all that good stuff was thrown out. You have to do phonics. And it's not one or the other. It's both. That's, that's where it comes from. So how do parents know if this will work for their child? Basically, I mean, it's really simple. And before you go for an assessment, do check if they have developed the skill to picture words. Okay. And you can do that really easily. Start with nouns. Once they're secure with nouns, they can move on to non-nouns. But just ask them to spell a word. Mm -hmm. This is for the little little bit older kids who who may be struggling. Ask them to spell a word. Look at their eyes. If your eyes go up, you're looking at pictures. Okay. If your eyes go down, you're in your emotions feeling bad and I'm feeling really stupid because I can't do this. Mm. So don't let them look down. I mean, I had a lad recently who is eight and I asked him whether he could picture words and he went, um, well, yes, but no. 
And I went, okay, so when you think of the word lion, um, what can you see? He said, oh, I can see an L. I went, what about the rest of the word? He went, nope. And this lad had gone through school for four years with the ability to visualize one letter of words, which is mm. about useless when you're in school. Mm -hmm. So I taught him how to see the whole word, and lo and behold, he could spell. Wow. So it's really simple to find out. You've just got to ask the kids. Ask them what's in their brains, basically, and yeah. try asking them simple words to start with, like cat or lion or moon. Looking up is definitely the best place to see it. In the first line, I would like to say, I would like to stop people dropping into dyslexia, all of them. But mm -hmm. even if we could only help... 80% of the kids who drop into dyslexia just not do it, this would be a fabulous benefit to mm -hmm. so many people. For sure, definitely. So what would happen when you succeed? I think everybody could think about this for themselves. What would it be like for them? Mm -hmm. Firstly, we'd reduce the cost of parents having to pay for assessments, yes. which I've been told can be ranged from 600 pounds to a thousand pounds for an assessment so please before you take your child for an assessment check whether they're visualizing words and if they're mm -hmm. not it's a really simple skill to teach them you don't need to be a teacher you just need to get them to start absorbing words mm -hmm. the second thing is you'd reduce the stress in the whole family mm -hmm. and i i'm not joking when i say so many dyslexics are traumatized by being in school and everything being going wrong. And of course, we'd reduce the cost of support in schools and in colleges, and we'd free up resources to work with the kids who've got more severe challenges. We don't mm -hmm. have to have these kids with literacy challenges. My question to you is, why do all dyslexics talk about their creativity, imaginative strengths, but they don't talk about visualizing words well i think this is really sad because mm. these kids have got really good visual skills and nobody encourages them to use them for picturing words mm -hmm. that's all there is to it really people mm. should be very annoyed that nobody taught them i was when i found out this key because this yeah. happened to me i was absolutely furious that why on earth had nobody told me I was meant to be visualizing words? And mm. I didn't find out until I was 50. I would really prefer four-year-olds to have learned this skill mm. before they get confused. We found uh, it's empowering learning. We looked at the neuroscience that mm -hmm. showed us how to crack the code. And we added various topics in for breathing and sleeping and grounding to help them stabilize their mental images. Okay. Um, because when you get really stressed, mental images tend to fly around the place. What we're advocating here is to stop the stress actually happening. Mm. And when youngsters can picture a word like cat, as I said earlier, they can put the phonics into the word rather than have all the bits and pieces flying around. Mm -hmm. So that's what we're looking to do. We're looking to recruit more young people, three and four-year-olds who might be in preschool or they might be at home or they might be doing home ed but before they get into phonics please teach them to visualize words because it'll it'll speed up phonics without a shadow of doubt and it'll make life a lot easier for everybody that's just fantastic 
Absolutely fantastic. So where can the listeners find you and get your books and find you online? What's your website? The website is empoweringlearning.co.uk. Make sure you don't type in .com because that's a recruitment agency, Mm -hmm. um, which isn't me. And the, I've got a new learning platform called visualkids.co.uk. And there is on there a, you will see if you scroll down, something called scaffolding easy literacy. If you, yeah. if you sign up for that and you will get um, access to a 45 minute video we did on the subject and three other documents. One of the documents is specifically designed to encourage people who are using the early years foundation curriculum to add in a few bits and we've, mm-hmm. we've documented which bits to add in. So um, that's got some really useful material there and that's scaffold easy literacy. And in a few months time, I'll probably bring out scaffold easy maths, but that's for another day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And we can share that here as well. Yeah, please do. Definitely. And thank you for sharing your deep, insightful wisdom and knowledge with us today. And by doing so, Olive Hickmont, you are helping so many others. Thank, thank you. Thank you very much for inviting me. And thanks for what you're doing. You're sending it out to the big wide world, which is great. Thank you. So what is one of the most courageous things you have done? Because I know you've done a lot of things. So what would you say one of the most courageous things you have done? I think taking on the education system is courageous. It might be Mm. foolhardy and it's frustrating and exhausting. It's so worthwhile. I will never stop doing it. I need all the help I can get to get this message through, Mm -hmm. but I'll never give up on it because it's just... It's too important for our children. That is definitely a courageous thing to do, but it's also really difficult. Couldn't agree with you more. What is your definition of courage? Go for what you really want to do. And you may succeed, you may not succeed, but at least you won't have given up trying. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Create the Courage to be Fearless with Anita Matu. I'd love you to let me know what your thoughts of today's episode and what your key takeaways are. So do leave a comment below. It's all about sharing. So if you have enjoyed the content, give me a like and share it far and wide. Post it over on Instagram stories and tag the link wherever you are listening to this episode. Post it on social media, share it with your friends and don't forget to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. This really helps the show reach more people and together we impact more lives. Thank you and until next time, goodbye for now.